0: Challenges that most people are looking at is how do I make my business bigger in the global space? And how do I then facilitate payments around the world?
1: The most common cause of bad customer experience isn't that high tech. It's embarrassingly simple. Yep, it's answering questions. In e commerce, it's really easy to get bogged down with common questions, whether that's where's my package. How do I return or exchange this item or just to cancel a subscription? SolvePath is an AI-driven customer support system that enhances the customer experience with visual formats and self-serve technology to empower your customers to handle their own support requests. Get the best customer support system for your business. Get SolvePath. Get started by visiting GetSolvePath.com. You're now listening to Fintech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid. Be sure to subscribe to Fintech Confidential on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player by going to podcast.fintechconfidential.com and sign up for Fintech Confidential information at access.fintechconfidential.com. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on to discuss global payments and currency risk management. But before we dive into deep end, why don't you share with us how your decades long career in FinTech started and how you came to be appointed the CEO of Money Corp Americas back in 2018.
0: Thank you, Ted, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so I'm 39 years in the cross-border international payment foreign exchange space, I actually started my career at Kennedy airport in New York, selling currency to people traveling overseas. I worked two to 10. So we'd roll in about one 30, we pick up all our money and we'd be dispersed through the international arrivals building that had Air France. And back then you still had the German mark and the French Franc and the Greek drachma and the Italian lira. So you name it. We sold it and that was a great kind of learning ground for me to learn about this business. And then from there, I I worked 25 years for the combination of Deke Pereira, Thomas Cook and TravelX, where you name it, I did it from retail to our wholesale group, which was our traveler's check business. And then we started delving into this corporate foreign exchange the back of retail branches, we would go out to local businesses who were dealing with their banks at the time. And we realized that they were being underserved, overpriced, not in a very proactive approach. And we created this corporate payments business, which is now flourished to numerous non-banks providing these services to small to medium-sized businesses. That's grown into the enterprise space where we help them with integration so you can start at the bottom in this business and find yourself at the top if you work hard and learn the trade so it's been a nice ride
1: oh wow yeah that's crazy because like with myself i started out feet on the street i was the guy that was helping the merchants fixing their credit card terminals i totally get it and and that is exciting to see that fintech it really has that leveling the playing field type scenario. And you and I both started before it was called FinTech. I'm just glad we actually have a name <laughs> there was it
0: now. There was no FinTech in 1984. We were handwriting tickets with a calculator figure out exchange rates and how much money you need to pay me in U.S. dollars.
1: The calculator was the tech. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, with with MoneyCorp being a global company, um, what is the focus on the Americas Group? And what does the success look like?
0: We've had some tremendous success over the last three years, basically taking a business, doubling it both from a top line perspective and from a bottom line perspective, and quite honestly, that comes with people. To me, this is a people business. It's all about having the right people in the right roles who understand the business, who can articulate value to our customers. And it's moving from what was traditionally an FX brokerage business, which is in my mind, a price play, Hey, I can beat the bank on their exchange rates. I can waive your service fees and really a price play. And we move that really into a consultative sale. So how can I help you streamline your payments? How can I integrate into your ERP system? How can I integrate into your accounting package? How can we do this through APIs or through SFTP and things that you're doing manually today? And then you look at risk management. How do I go in and help you create an FX policy statement to take a look at foreign exchange risk when it comes to your balance sheet or the amount of euros that you might have exposure on an annual basis and what's the best way to protect yourself um, against your budget and what your expectations are in order to pay that. So those require individuals to go in and sit down, whiteboard, have conversations that is just not about dollar up, dollar down, let me give you a better rate, but what is your process? and how, what does good look like, and really sharing industry best practice with our customers.
1: That's great, especially with that consultative approach. I, I bet that with the current sanctions on Russia, you are really helping to manage this elevated risk. What does it mean for the volatility of the broader market, international payments with, with these things we've got going on right now?
0: It depends on what side of the market you're on, Ted, obviously, but, <laughs> and as long as you don't have a huge exposure to Russian rubles, you should be okay. Because the dollar has actually increased, um, since the conflict has occurred and many of our customers are taking advantage of certainly several month lows or highs within the dollar. The Euro is now at an attractive rate where we actually have a lot of activity with our customers who are taking advantage of the dollar being so strong against the euro and the pound most of our customers are doing buying versus selling so they're buying that foreign currency so as the dollar is strong they like to take advantage of that and start hedging so our hedging activity has gone up quite a bit the amount of conversations that we've had with our customers engaged in looking at their exposure has gone up quite a bit our integrated business really hasn't changed because they make those payments every single month, so they might have a thousand payments. They're going to make them regardless, but it's really our hedging business that I would say we've had about a 30% uplift since the conflict in terms of the amount of activity that we're doing. And Certainly companies are becoming much more aware when they see the Russian ruble dropping by 30%. Well, what other currencies do I have that might have that volatility that I, I need to make sure that I'm protecting myself against?
1: Yeah, I for me, as, as we discussed prior to to hopping on and hitting the record button, I, I remember working uh, in cross border and FX, and Argentina always seemed to be the one that had to spend. And so much to... <laughs> yeah, well, Brazil is a little interesting because of just the I, I did cross border and moving the money across the borders, and with Brazil, it's a little bit more complicated than just moving it like like you can with most countries. That is true. With that going on, that sounds fantastic that you guys are able to help them hedge better, be positioned to to make the right moves. What other challenges do you see in the global fintech markets? And how is MoneyCorp positioned to really solve for those problems?
0: The challenges that most people are looking at is things that we talked about earlier. How do I take my infrastructure and create economies of scale? Meaning how do I make my business bigger in the global space and how do I then facilitate payments around the world? And most of that is really driven in the type of payment rails. So in, since the conflict, there's been a lot of info on swift. So people who had no idea what swift was (laughs) historically. Right are now going, oh, what's this swift, what's this banking system about moving money around the world. So swift has probably gotten more press in the last three weeks than they've gotten in the last 30 years, but swift is just one payment rail and swift is traditionally a very high from a cost perspective, very high cost payment rail. And one of the things that we are doing as a business and certainly in the fintech space is there's other ways to make payments. So there's alternative payment channels like Venmo, PayPal, pay to a card, pay to a bank account, which is traditionally kind of a swift payment, but there's also low value payment rails. So in the United States, we use ACH and those are cost companies 10 cents to send an ACH, where if you send a wire through your bank, it could cost you $30, right? The same applies to cross-border payments. You go through Swift and there's an intermediary bank. They could do a lifting fee on that payment. The beneficiary bank gets that payment. They do a lifting fee on that payment. So you send $1,000 and it goes through an intermediary bank and then goes through the correspondent bank and the beneficiary bank, $30 could be lifted from that payment. Mm -hmm. If I send that same payment through, say, SEPA, which is the low value payment rails in Europe, that'll cost me 15 cents and they'll get full value. So instead of 970 euros winding up in someone's bank account because it went through SWIFT, we can send it through SEPA and they'll get a thousand. And they've actually speeded it up now. You can actually get those done many times, same day and next day. And that's just one example of hundreds, regardless of where you are around the world. In the Philippines, for example, when we are paying crew members of uh, cruise ships, Right? So seafarers who are getting payroll and many are from the Philippines, we actually can get payments to the Philippines in an hour and hitting their bank account in an hour. And it costs us 20 cents as opposed to a swift payment that gets there in Philippine pesos two days later and could be charged. One, I'm charging the Seafarer $30 to initiate it, plus there's $30 being deducted out of it. So the whole landscape in terms of alternative payments and the, the way you make payments today has changed. And that is making sure that we are sitting down with our customers that are making payments throughout the world, educating them on the best way to do that, and the most cost-effective way to do that.
1: So you hit on a number of different things, and and hopefully I read this right, but Money Corp supports over 120 different currencies. How do you see DeFi cryptocurrencies and numerous proposed central central bank digital currencies impacting real time payments and the global payments ecosystem? You just talked about how the Philippines, you can do that near real time. You can do it in Europe really quickly. In the US, we're also getting to the ACH, same day ACH, next day ACH, all kicking in, and everybody's talking about the real time payments ecosystem that's going on. So, help us understand how is the DeFi side of the house really impacting the overall real time payments ecosystem?
0: So, so, digital currencies is definitely that's future, and that future is coming a lot sooner down the track than I think most people recognize or even understand. They're using blockchain technology, which is real time ledger movements. So literally I could press a button right now and Ted, you'd now have that money in your account. That's powerful. That was unheard of five years. There was talk about it, but now it's becoming reality. It's becoming more mainstream. It's not, oh, this is sort of underworld and things we don't want to touch. Banks are figuring out how do I get into the digital currency space? How do we support it and how do we support our customers in order to facilitate it? Because if we're not on it, we're going to miss it. And we have a number of examples of companies in the fintech space. That's all they're focused on and they're doing quite well with it. So we actually deal with a number of digital currency companies where we're doing their liquidity or we're making vendor payments. So we haven't quite touched the consumer side yet we're dipping our toe in. We're looking at it. We're managing it. We're looking at it from a risk perspective. We're looking at it from a compliance perspective. But in today's day and age, they are checking off all the boxes and it's becoming a much more mainstream product and something that we want to make sure that we are participating in moving forward.
1: So it's really interesting as we, we talk about the, the digital currencies and just a few weeks ago, there was a huge announcement that the Fed, the Feds, had busted some launderers of. I think it was Bitcoin, maybe a few other cryptocurrencies. I'm try- trying to remember off the top of my head. But one of the things that most major banks, when we go to the back to the FX side, and I'm really with you starting to to dabble in the liquidation of of these currencies. Most major banks, when you're talking international transfers and FX desks and teams of fraud professionals, they've got these big groups that really handle all of these different things. What is MoneyCorp doing to stand out to really help these businesses manage and mitigate the risk in, in these new waters that they're charting into?
0: Yeah, we're not unsimilar to a bank in that regard. So we have dedicated compliance fraud teams. In fact, Moneycorp operates in two jurisdictions as a financial institution or a financial institution in Brazil with Moneycorp Banco do Cambio, and also Gibraltar as Moneycorp Bank. So very much when we look at our compliance and our fraud regimes, we're pretty much across the group doing the same that our banking counterparts will do. And what we're doing, again, very much like sharing best practice with our customers on the best way to initiate a low-value payment or how to integrate into your ERP system, we're doing the same thing as it comes to starting to work with digital current and what we're comfortable with. And in many cases, we're looking at their compliance regimes and therefore our controls to make sure that we're comfortable with them. And if we are, we're willing to do business to a certain extent. And if we're not, we won't. So we do enhanced due diligence on these type of customers. We then share that with our customers, because again, our customers aren't dealing with digital assets through Money Corp. They might be doing it through someone else. The only thing we're really doing is we're working with digital currency companies when they're flush in euros and they got 10 million euros and they need to move them into dollars. So in terms of helping our customers understand what they can and can't do in digital currencies, we're not quite there yet. And so we actually refer them to partners that we have that we're actually working on the liquidity and we actually point them to them because they have the expertise in that regard.
1: So when we start, uh, and, and I totally get that with the digital currencies, because that landscape is changing, I about said daily, but it's really an hourly rate, right? At this point, what types of things, <laughs> excuse me, what types of things does MoneyCorp do to help these companies who are really just new to the cross-border effects. Maybe it's a US company that just decided to go to Europe or just decided to go to Latin America because they've heard about, they've heard about all these great opportunities all over the world and they say, I'm ready to expand. There are a lot of rules and regulations and all these fun compliance things that that everybody gets excited about. And I say that extremely facetiously, but how is Funny Corp helping them through that process of maintaining compliance and, and, minimizing their overall risk in the movement of the monies.
0: Yeah. So just like what we do with FX policy statements to look at how our customers manage foreign exchange risk, we are also sharing best practice when it comes to facilitating a payment, we, we mentioned Brazil before, and, and since you're familiar with the space, you know that there are many requirements when you facilitate a payment to Brazil. Mm -hmm. You need tax ID numbers, you need phone numbers, you need all these other aspects. And we actually have guides that we provide to our customers on all the requirements on a per country basis. So whether you're sending in dollars or the local currency, there are still very specific requirements on a per country basis that people are not aware of. And that's important for them because you don't want to facilitate a payment, think you have everything, it goes out the door, it's unable to be applied, it gets returned, it delays the payment, and so we're very much in that proactive approach within that consultative sale. So whether, again, how to facilitate a best payment or what you need to do to be compliant around that payment as well. And certainly within our systems, we have beneficiary bank validation tools that help them with that so that if they're missing information, we will then provide that information in real time to them through an API.
1: As we're looking through these different things, I was noticing on your website that you guys cover different discussions around machine learning and and really using the data. And data has become a really big thing and leveraging that the right way in fintech How is MoneyCorp using that technology to help the company, but also help their customers move forward?
0: From a compliance and fraud perspective, we're using machine learning to take a look at transactions that are occurring throughout the world. We have something called HRJ high-risk jurisdictions that we make payments into. And we take that machine learning and we're doing enhanced due diligence on those type of payments to ensure that everything that is required is on there and that we're actually having a second set of eyes. We also take that information, transactional information, and slice it and dice it in a number of different ways to provide it back to our customers, whether that's in report carding, quarterly reviews, annual business reviews. And we share with them that data so that they can go through and make proper business decisions on their payments or their risk management. And we provide that in a very detailed document that we then share with them on a consistent basis. So machine learning and AI has definitely helped our business go to the next level and has made us, again, taking that consultative approach, we're being very proactive with our customers and sharing that data with them to help them make proper business decisions. That is
1: great. We talk about data a lot and how we're leveraging that to help everybody. And it's really interesting, especially when you talk about those high-risk jurisdictions and really understanding... How do we mitigate a lot of those risks that come into play? I, I do want to ask a question. This is something that that happens a lot in, in my consulting business when I'm helping companies that are in U.S.-based that hear about all these, we talked about earlier, hear about all these opportunities outside the U.S. How does MoneyCorp or does MoneyCorp help companies determine where they should be taking localized currency? Where should they localize when they start looking at the expansion of their business?
0: I I would say MoneyCorp probably doesn't help point them in to hey, here's jurisdictions where you need to be doing business in. But in many cases, certainly in the United States, we have this, the almighty dollar concept, where if I just pay them in dollars, I'm fine and many companies around the world are more than happy to tell companies pay me in dollars because they will actually throw in additional margin to give them the benefit of that so we actually sit down with companies and go if you're paying in dollars there's two things that we can do for you one you can ask your vendor or your supplier to bill you in local currency And then we can look at it and determine which is the best way to do it. The other is, we mentioned Swift earlier. Swift now has a product. And anytime you send a US dollar wire, you have to send it via Swift. There is no other mechanism to send US dollars around the world. Swift now has this great product called GPI. And GPI is literally the FedEx tracker for Swift. I can see every bank who's touched it I can see how much money they've taken out of that payment. And I can also see the end bank who's received dollars and what they've converted that into local currency. So Ted, you and I don't hold a pound account, a Euro account or any other currency account here in the United States. Well, most people in Europe don't hold US dollar accounts. That's not their currency. However, vendors will charge you or bill you in dollars because they think it makes it convenient for a US company to pay in dollars. But what they don't realize is that they're paying exponentially more money than they should for that payment. So again, we can ask them to provide you a bill in euros as well as dollars. Take a look at the exchange rate and what makes sense. Or we can facilitate that dollar payment and I can tell you exactly how many euros because they are converting that on the other end and tell you exactly what it's getting converted at. And then you can determine what is the best way for you to facilitate a payment to your supplier overseas. And in many cases, they're gonna find out that, oh, if I actually pay in local currency versus US dollars, I'm actually providing a benefit and a financial savings to my company.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's interesting a lot of the time I guess I get in on the front side of it where they're like, I'm doing a bunch of business in the US. How do I expand beyond that? And I hadn't thought about it from the perspective that you just mentioned, but that makes a lot of really good sense that other com- countries and companies in other countries look at paying a US dollar. One of two things, if if the dollar's stronger, yay, they get a little bump in their revenues. And two, if, if they're increasing the margin in order to cover the, the conversion, there's a little bit of extra extra cash in there for them too. So that is interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. And I really appreciate you sharing that. There's one last question I want to ask today because this is super important to me, especially with the number of the folks that I work with, is a lot of the fintechs that I work with are building their own in-house technologies. So they're building those in-house and realistically a lot of them are really trying to ensure that they have that seamless experience from the consumer all the way through all of the process and procedures, so that it feels that the payment is really invisible. And I'm I'm curious to to how Moneycorp is enabling those fintechs. You've mentioned APIs. You mentioned the consultation. How are you bringing those two together to make sure that they have that, that really secure line of cross border
0: payments? It's actually a combination of all those put together that you want to get to because y- you want the fin, you want the tech, but you also want the high touch. Many fintechs go with the fintech with a low touch because they don't want to have, whether that's boots on the ground additional resources, what have you. And Money Corp is actually a combination of those two, right? And, and in my mind, you can't have a proper FinTech without having a proper high touch from a customer perspective and a number of different reasons. So when I say combining all those, that is automated onboarding through APIs and making the onboarding process and doing business with us seamless right, that's being able to facilitate a payment and trust that we will route that the most cost effective way for your company. That will be, hey, here's the best way to deal in high risk jurisdictions or these are the business requirements in order to facilitate a payment to Brazil or other places that require additional information. And building all those into an API with beneficiary validation tools. So from the onboarding to the transaction, to the execution of the transaction, you've done everything in a very seamless manner from a customer perspective. And then from there, it's what does Money Corp do from there? And we want everything to be straight through processing, but we don't want to be straight through processing at the cost of unable to apply, things getting returned, rejected. We wanna make sure those payments go out accurately the first time. So we actually look at beneficiaries, we do beneficiary validation on our end as well to make sure that they go out correctly the first time. And then from there, it's post-transactional based activity. This is where we truly differentiate ourselves in my mind because payments do go wrong, payments do go awry. Payments are unable to apply. Beneficiaries do claim non-receipt. And there could be a number of various reasons behind it. And it's how you perform from a post-transactional based perspective. Can I pick up a phone and talk to someone? Does that person know what they're doing? Do they understand what my need is? Do they understand my business? Do they understand that inherently the service level I'm providing them is a service level they're providing to their vendor, supplier, subsidiary, whatever in order to find out what's happened to that payment so it's co- it, it's combining the fintech with the high touch approach that to me we've put the balance together to figure it out properly
1: fantastic bob you've answered all of my my deep dark questions about money corp is there anything that i should have asked that i didn't ask and that that the listeners and viewers would want to know About Money Corp, how to get started with Money Corp, whether it makes sense to get started with Money
0: Corp. Thank you, Ted. Reach out to moneycorp.com. We are a global organization that has entities all around the world. If you go to moneycorp.com, you'll find the appropriate offices that can help you with your cross border and your foreign exchange risk management needs.
1: Everybody, you'll be able to find that in the show notes as well as down in the description. So go ahead and click through and have a great time. Working with Money Corp and getting that high-touch experience. Bob, thank you for hopping on this early in the morning and uh, really glad we were able to get together on this. Thank you, Ted. Be sure to subscribe to FinTech Confidential on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player by going to podcast.fintechconfidential. Our show notes in each episode are available at www.fintechconfidential.com. And you can get FinTech Confidential information by signing up at access.fintechconfidential.com. If you want to be a guest on FinTech Confidential, submit your application at guest.fintechconfidential.com. FinTech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid.